an answer of the hope that is within us. You know, hope is something you cannot see. It's kind of invisible. But people can see the hope that is lived out in the life that we live. And people ask us about the hope that we have. You know what? You always have to take them back to the cross. Because before the cross, we had no hope. Before the cross, we had no joy. Before the cross, we had no victory. People ask you, you know, how are you able to, to live a life that is, that is separated and a life that honors God in a world where that is not very popular, in a world where that is so hard to do? You say, well, it, it starts back at the cross. That's where we got victory to be able to do that. I hope today you have the joy of the Lord. I hope you have that hope and others can see that hope in your life. And I hope that it's on the inside so much that it overflows on the outside. Because people begin to ask you about the hope that you have. They can't see that hope on the inside of your heart. Why are they going to ask you about it? Because it overflows on the outside. And they ask you about the hope you have. And they ask you about the joy that you have. And you take them back to the cross. Well, there was one day. It always starts with the cross. And I hope you've been there this morning. I hope you've made a trip to the cross. You've come to know Christ as your personal Savior. And if not, I hope you hear about the cross this morning. And I hope you'll make a journey there yourself and find that hope. Find that joy and find that victory that you can have. And I'm so glad that you're here today. It's good to be in church, isn't it? I always look forward to being in church. Even my flesh doesn't want to be here. I have to drag this stuff here sometimes. I'm glad when I get here. And well, there's something inside of my heart that knows this is where I belong on Sunday morning and Sunday night and on Wednesday night. If you're visiting with us today, we're glad that you're here and excited about all the things that is going on here at Central Baptist Church, what God's doing here. And excited about our new app, Brother Brent's talking about here today. And I leaned over to him a minute ago. I said, we need to make a correction on that. You know, there's an option for you to select what type of messages you receive. They do not include Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, okay? You're not going to find that on there where I can check off. I do not want to receive the Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night message. So you, you've got to receive those. These are, you know, if you want to participate in something. So let's get that set aside real quick. Don't come tonight and say, I checked on the box where I don't have to listen to tonight's message. No, that's not part of it, okay? But uh, take advantage of that, and uh, it's just a tool and we never want to see anything get in the way of the cross and anything get in the way of the will of God. But if we can find a tool that will help us to serve the Lord better, more efficiently, uh, we will. And that will also help with a lot of the notifications going on around here. Let's go ahead and get in the message if we could before the hour gets too late. Turn the New Testament to the book of Luke, Luke chapter number 19. <coughs> Luke chapter number 19. And when you find it, if you can, let's stand together in the honor of the reading of God's word. And I'm going to read verse 41 through about verse 44, and I'm going to do things a little bit backwards today. I'm going to give you background on the message toward the end of the message, if we could. Give a little background on that when we get toward the end, and I think it'll bring out the point a little bit more clearly for us today. Luke chapter 19. Uh, when you read Luke chapter 19, picking up in verse 28, we'll not read that for the sake of time, but this is the triumphal entry of Christ into Jerusalem. And he has got the disciples to go and to secure the colt that he would ride upon. And he's coming down uh, the Mount of Olives, heading into Jerusalem. Before he gets in Jerusalem, he pauses a moment and begins to say what we're about to read in verse 41. And when he was come near, that means not quite into the city yet, but he was close. <clears throat> he beheld the city and wept over it saying, If thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the day shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee and 
compass thee round and keep thee in on every side, and shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee, and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. There's a lot to discuss there, so let's just pray. Let's ask God to give us what we need today. Father, thank you again for the opportunity to come to your house. Lord, thank you that we have a reason, Lord, to be here. Lord, we can look back to that cross uh, that was just sung about. And Father, I pray we all know that place. We've all been to that place, and we've all trusted Christ. But if there's some that haven't, Lord, I pray they would come to that place today and know for sure that heaven's their home, and I pray you'd make that clear to them today. Lord, for those that are saved, I pray you would stir our heart for this matter that you've laid upon our heart. Give us great grace and liberty. And Lord, I just pray that you would bless the invitation that we would fulfill your will here today in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If there's something that I enjoy doing, uh, and I have enjoyed doing in my ministry the past 24 plus years, uh, has been to be able to travel. I enjoy traveling. And uh, whether it's traveling to places I have not been that are close or traveling to places somewhere far off by airplane or or some other way, I enjoy traveling and I enjoy getting to know uh, all of the cultures, the different cultures that are around us. Uh, It's amazing that you get in a car and drive two or three hours from here and be in almost a totally different culture of people. Uh, you can get in, a, get in a car and drive down there to the south, south, po- southern part of uh, Louisiana and meet some of those Cajun folks that are down there. And they almost have their own dialect and their own food and their own way of life. And it's just interesting to all of the cultures that are right here close by. And it's interesting to get on an airplane in just a few hours, a short amount of time, you can fly to another country and get to experience the different cultures and languages that are there. And I've had the opportunity to travel to, to many countries and uh, many different places to see different cultures and be a part of different things and, and serving of the Lord. And at times, I'll be honest with you, I've gone through what they call culture shock. Anybody ever gone through culture shock where you go from something you're very familiar with, your culture, your way of life, and you get on a plane and you fly overseas and uh, you're in a different culture and you have to realize, I have to make an adjustment really quick uh, to fit in here or to survive here. I remember several years ago, I think it was 2001, I flew down to Jamaica and we were preaching down there, doing Bible schools down in Jamaica, and I was preaching at a church called Wild Cane Baptist Church up on a mountain in the middle of the hills. I mean, it was, it was not resort Jamaica, okay? I know what some of you are thinking, man, I'd love to go on a missions trip to Jamaica. That's not the kind. Jamaica's only pretty around the outside edge. You get on the interior, it's rough, it's slums, it's very poor, very impoverished areas. And we were up in the hills in this church called Wild Cane Baptist Church, there were not even glass windows. It was just block holes in the wall, and people would climb up and sit in the windows during the preaching. And I remember one day I was preaching to the kids, trying to get the kids to bring more visitors to Bible school the next day. And I said, how many of you have a buddy? I said, raise your hand. None of them raised their hand. I said, come on, guys. I know everybody here's got a buddy. And look, you need to go home today and find a buddy and bring him back to Bible school tomorrow. How many of you got a buddy that you can bring? And there's a few of them just, uh, just kind of held up their hand. I'm thinking, man, these poor kids don't even have friends up here. Not only do they have running water and electricity, they don't even have friends up here. And uh, after the service, I told the folks, I said, all right, tomorrow you bring all of your buddies to church. We're going to have a big day tomorrow. And uh, one of the ladies who was helping me there at the church, I think it was the pastor's wife, came to me. She says, she says, Pastor, there's something I need to tell you. 
I says, what is that? She says, well, in America, I know the term buddies uh, means friend, and it means like companion, but uh, here in Jamaica, oftentimes the term buddy is used to describe a homosexual. And so when you were asking people to go home and bring a buddy, and how many of you have a buddy, uh, that's what they were interpreting, and that's why they were kind of hesitant and Oh, you get that sinking feeling in your stomach, realizing, oh my goodness, I am not in America anymore, and I hope that they bring their buddies to church. I really do. They need to come to church as well, but you know, I was uh, not quite sure on my definitions there. It's kind of different. They did things differently there, and I remember I was telling them to, uh, to bring candy, and she says, we don't, uh, I was telling them we give out candy. She says, we don't use the word candy, we use the word sweetie. And so it was just weird for me to have to tell them, come tomorrow and I'll give you a sweetie. If you bring a, a guest, bring your buddy and I'll give you a sweetie. You know, I, it was just bad. I just, by the end of the week, you know, it was rough. I'll be honest with you. It was just a different culture. You know, buddy doesn't mean buddy there and sweetie doesn't mean sweetie there. It took me a little while to get used to that. I remember uh, several years ago, I was in Uganda and we were sitting in a little town called Jinja and uh, we sat down to have a Coke in Jinja, right on the edge of the Nile River, the, 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 the uh, headwaters of the Nile River there in, in Uganda. And uh, we're sitting there enjoying our Cokes, glass bottle Cokes, not refrigerated, but glass bottle Cokes. And we look around the table, and nobody else at the table, everybody else at the table had a straw but me. I'm looking at, and why, where did you get the straw? And they says, you didn't know? I'm sitting there chugging it out of the, the, the bottle. They says they don't always wash the bottles when they recycle them, and so we use straws if possible. Nobody told me that. You know, I just kind of figured they were clean, but, you know, you go to different cultures. Not everything is as universal as it is here in America, but there's some things that are. Coke is universal. Everywhere I've ever been in the world, there's a Coke. You can always find a Coke anywhere you go in the world. Uh, I was at an orphanage one time on the south side of Uganda, and there was a kid walking around with a Mickey Mouse hat. Mickey Mouse is near about Universal. And I even went to one orphanage. It was an orphanage for kids who had specifically had needs of, they had stepped on landmines. Uh, and they had to have um, uh, prosthetics made for them. They made them right there at the orphanage. And, and we went to that specific orphanage to visit with those kids. And one of the kids had a shirt on it just blew my mind. His shirt says, you looked better on MySpace. This is the middle of impoverished Uganda, but this kid had a shirt on that says, you look better. That was the old Facebook, for those of you that don't know what that means, okay? It was the early social media. So some things are universal, Coke, Mickey Mouse, uh, social media, it's amazing. I was at a, at a, at a mud hut in Gulu in uh, South Sudan, and in the mud hut that I was in, there was a flyer for the fake televangelist Joyce Meyer inside of the flyer. This is in a remote mud hut in Uganda. I mean, these things spread all over the world, unfortunately, sometimes. But perhaps the most universal thing that I have run into in every country I've ever been to, every state that I've ever been to, every culture that I've ever been to, the most universal language that has been spoken, it's not a product, it's not an image, and it's not even a word. The most universal language that I have seen in, uh, all over the world is a smile and a tear. I want you to think about that this morning. The most universal language in the world is a smile. You put a smile on your face no matter where you are, uh, no matter what country you're serving in, and somebody smiles, you know exactly what they mean when they smile. It's a universal language. But on the flip side of that, also a universal language is a tear. We know what a tear means. 
We know what it means when someone cries. And I want you to understand this morning that sometimes we all cry for different reasons. We all cry at one time or another. We all cry for different reasons. We, uh, some of you may cry when you miss a deer out on your deer stand. I know what happens, man. I know what happens, especially if it was a good deer. Or maybe you miss one in your station wagon. I don't know, but you miss them and you, you have a broken heart about it. Or, or maybe you went to purchase something and they ran out, you know, like the Popeye's chicken sandwich and you cried about that. Or maybe your football team lost. I, I wouldn't know the feeling this year because ours hasn't, but um, maybe your football team lost and you cry about that. But sometimes we cry for really serious reasons, don't we? Sometimes we cry because of a loss of a loved one. We lost someone close to us, someone dear to us, and we're going to miss them, and we cry over that. And sometimes we cry because we have a burden on our heart, which I think is a good thing. I think it's great when your heart is burdened so much that it squeezes the tears out of our eyes. It's sad oftentimes when we have so little of a burden that we don't cry about burdens in our lives and the lives of others. And sometimes we cry because we are broken ourselves. It's a good thing. God breaks us sometimes, and we get broken, and we cry. And understand this morning that tears are often the overflow of a broken heart. God breaks our heart for something or God breaks our heart for something in our life or something in the life of others or we're burdened about something in our life and we're burdened about something in the lives of others uh, and we're burdened so much that it's reflected by the tears that we shed. Now we read in this passage of Luke chapter number 19 in verse number 41 that Jesus is coming down the Mount of Olives. As Jesus comes down the Mount of Olives, he pauses, it appears, for a moment as he can see the entire city of Jerusalem that is there. The Bible says in verse number 41, and when he was come near, he beheld the city, and notice the Bible says, and wept over it. As best we can tell, only three times in Scripture does Christ cry. Only three times in Scripture do we find where the Bible says that Jesus wept. One was in the Garden of Gethsemane. One was at the grave of Lazarus, and the other one is here in Luke chapter 19 as he overlooks Jerusalem. Now, Christ is showing us something this morning that is worth weeping over. In Luke chapter 19, verse 41 through 44, Jesus outlines exactly why he was weeping. He is outlining in those three verses exactly what was going on in his heart. For Christ to weep, it must have been something of consequence. I don't think Christ would have wept over missing a deer in the deer stand. I don't think Christ would have wept because they sold out of something that he went to the store to buy. I don't think Christ would have wept if his team had lost on Saturday or, God forbid, on Sunday. I think when Christ wept, it was a matter of consequence, and I believe he is showing us some things that we ought to weep over as well. In verse 42 through verse number 44, we're going to look at a simple message on why Jesus wept. Why Jesus wept. I believe every one of us here this morning have something to cry about. I told my Sunday school class today, this is not a message that I enjoy preaching because I'm an optimistic, happy-go-lucky person who looks for the good in just about everything. But this morning's message is not one that's going to be full of jokes. It's not going to be full of a lot of illustrations. It's just going to be straight what the Word of God has to tell us in verse 42 through verse 44 of why Christ wept. Now remember, Christ is our example. If Christ found it worthwhile enough to weep about then the things in verse 42, 43, and 44 are things that I believe we should weep about. But I believe the reason that we are in the bad shape that we're in in this country and other countries and other homes are in the shape that they're in this morning, it's because we're not weeping over the things that God weeps over. And I believe God will show us this morning what what is important to him and what should be important to us as well. So look at verse number 42. 
The Bible says that as he weeps, he says this, if thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this day, thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. So as Jesus comes down the Mount of Olives and he sees Jerusalem and he looks upon the city, his heart is broken and he is weeping and he says, if thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace. The first thing that I believe Jesus is weeping over, number one, is the things that could have been. He is weeping over the things that could have been. Can I tell you this morning, one of the truly greatest things that that you could weep over is missed opportunities. I don't like missed opportunities. I don't like missing out on something. If if I'm going through Sam's and they have some of those free samples, I tell you, I'm going to get the free sample whether I like it or not or know anything about it. Why? Because it's free. I'm not going to miss out on a free opportunity. I, I want to try that. Now, if it's raw celery, you can have mine. I'm not sure. It's crunchy water. I'm not exactly sure what it exists there to do. Maybe to feed rabbits and we eat the rabbits, but really I can't figure out why, why celery's around. I think it came after the fall. I really do, along with poison ivy. If I go through there, I'm going to get what's there. Why? Because I don't want to miss out on something and I want to try something. I was at Dollar General the other day and they had these little bottles of sparkling water, these little cans of sparkling water that have fruit juice in it. I never tried it. I tried it and I found my new favorite drink. It's called Izzy, isn't it right? Izzy is the name of it. That's some good stuff. Man, I'm glad I didn't pass up on that opportunity because now I'm enjoying that stuff. Now, I want you to understand this morning, as Christ looks down upon Jerusalem, he's weeping because he's weeping over what could have been. And what they could have had. I've seen people weep in airports over missed flights. I have. I've seen people go through that counter and they're crying. You don't understand. I've got to get home, you know. Uh, my, my two-year-old has got a soccer game and I've got to be there for that soccer game, you know, and all of that. And they're just crying about it. And that's a missed opportunity. I've seen people get mad and fight over Black Friday sales when they run out of those $5 toasters and fists begin to fly But I'll tell you, there is no missed opportunity like the ones you miss from God. And as Christ looks down upon Jerusalem, he sees a city that he has traveled in and out of many times. He sees a city that he has visited many times. And every time that Christ came into that city, there was opportunity. By the way, can I tell you this morning that anytime Christ passes your way, it's opportunity. This morning, as you sit in this service, the Holy Spirit of God, I am sure, in spite of the preaching, will come up and down the rows and up down each aisle, and he will speak to you. And any time God passes your way, it's a moment of opportunity. But I'll tell you this, sadly, I believe the Lord looks upon his church, and the Lord looks upon this country, and he weeps. Why? Because of the missed opportunities of what could have been if we had taken advantage of the times that he passed by. He says, if thou hadst known. The Bible says in John chapter 1 and verse 11, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. What does that mean? It means that Christ came. And when Christ comes, he always brings opportunity. Listen, don't, do not bite off on the lie of the devil this morning that Christ is coming to ruin your life. He's not. That Christ is coming to rob you of your life and rob you of your joy. It's the exact opposite. He's coming to give you a life. And if he passes your way, listen, it's like blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus is sitting there in bad shape, in darkness, his whole life. And he hears the crowd begin to rumble and grumble that something's coming down the street. And he asks them what's going on. They said, here comes Jesus. 
I don't think Bartimaeus thought to himself, man, I'm sitting here begging alms today, and this guy Jesus is coming through, and man, he's going to distract all of my business. I don't believe that's what Bartimaeus said. The Bible says that as, as Christ began coming down the street, and Bartimaeus realized, as the song that was sung last week, that Jesus was about to pass his way. The Bible says he began to cry out. What did he see in Christ? He saw opportunity. He said, here comes my opportunity. Here comes my chance to get out of the darkness and into the light. And folks, listen, if the Holy Spirit of God deals with your heart today, if he passes your way today, lost or saved, understand he's passing your way to give opportunity. But boy, it's something to cry about when you miss out on an opportunity from God. I think about the woman with the issue of blood. The Bible says she had issue of blood for 12 years, and the Bible says she spent all. It was nothing bettered. Oh my goodness, how often do we meet people like that? How often are we like that? We, we do all that we can, the best that we can, and we don't make one step forward in the will of God for our life. And she heard about Christ, and she saw Christ down the road, and the Bible says she fought her way through the press. That means through the crowd of people. Why? Because Christ represented her opportunity. She said, that's my chance. You imagine what it would be like to come to a church where you had to make your way through the crowd to get to the altar? Wouldn't that be wonderful? But the problem is we don't see Christ and the influence of the Holy Spirit of God in our hearts as bringing opportunity. And I believe that's something to cry about. Lost or saved this morning, understand as God moves your way, he comes to bring you opportunity. But it's something to cry about when you turn your nose up at the opportunities that God provides. Luke chapter 16, we read about the rich man. It's a story I'm sure you know well. I want you to think about what the Bible says in this account. By the way, the Bible says that when he died, the next words are, and in hell. There was no middle ground, no purgatory. He died, the Bible says, and in hell. Immediately he was there. The Bible says in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. Now the the fire is going to be hot enough. Understand, the the fire of hell is going to be hot. The fire of hell is going to be horrific. But I believe one of the One of the worst torments of hell is going to be the constant reminder for all eternity that you didn't have to go there. That there was a day and there was a time in your life, whether it be in the past or whether today be that day that Christ passes your way and opportunity comes your way. And yet there are people who say, no, I'll do it later. No, I'll I'll put it off. Even save people put off doing the will of God when the Holy Spirit of God stirs them to that. And they miss out on the opportunities that God's provided. That's something to cry about. I see saved people all the time. Saved people that God stirs their heart to be a part of a service capacity, to fulfill God's will in their life. There's nothing greater or more fulfilling than for a child of God to be in the place that God called them to, doing what God called them to. There's nothing better than that. There's a peace and a contentment that you're looking for that you'll not find until you do. And yet so often the Holy Spirit of God gives us opportunity, and we pass them by. And that's something to cry about. That's something I believe God cries about. That's something that Christ was crying about as he looked at Jerusalem. The rich man that was in hell, I want you to notice that the Bible says the first thing he asked for was water for himself. He realized the opportunities that he had passed for himself. But then he says, I have five brethren back home at my father's house. Now he's beginning to think about the opportunities that he had for his brethren that that he obviously, because he did not take advantage of his opportunity, it also would affect his brethren. Now, folks, that's something to cry about this morning when we pass up opportunities that God wants to use us to influence the lives of others. 
So notice what he says, if thou hadst known, even thou, at this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace. Notice what could have been at Jerusalem was peace. That's what Christ came to bring. Do you know when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and sin entered in the world, the Bible says, for all have sin. We're all born sinners. We don't have peace with God. And we can't make peace with God on our own. We can't work our way there. You can't be baptized enough. The only way that you can make peace with God is through Christ. That's it. It's not a work. You can't do it. So Christ comes down to pull God and the people back together that there would be peace. That's what Christ did. And he tells Jerusalem, you had no idea all the times you ran me out of town that I was the only one that could bring peace. Now, folks, I believe that we come to the house of God, whether you realize you was going to be here today or not, and whether you was planning on being here today or not, God knew you was going to be here. And God desires to have peace with you, but that peace will only come through his son. But here's the problem. Oftentimes, we chase off Christ. Leave me alone right now. That's what they did at Jerusalem. This is why Christ stood at Jerusalem looking over the city, and he wept because they kept chasing him out of town. Be careful chasing Christ off too much. Because you're chasing off the opportunity for peace. Notice the last part of the verse says this. The Bible says, Thou hast known even thou at least in this thy day the things which belong unto thy peace. But now they are hid from thine eyes. It's sad looking at what they're missing out on. The Bible says it's hid from their eyes. As soon as I read that verse, I immediately thought about Romans chapter 1. I want to read this for you, and you can write it down, or you can follow along with me. Romans chapter 1, listen close what the Bible says in verse number 19. Well, verse 18 says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Listen to verse 19. Why? Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. What is it saying? It says God has made an effort for men to know him. Aren't you glad? God wants to know us. You know, there's some people in this world, you may find this hard to believe that don't want to know me. Go figure that. There are people who turn their lights out when I knock on their door. Do you know when it's night, you can see that blue light glowing from the television? And all of a sudden you hear boom, 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 and all the lights begin to go off. Yeah, I saw that. Okay, just, it, it happened. People don't want to know me, but God wants to know me. And he sent his son that I could know him. The Bible says here that God made an opportunity that we could know him. And he even says in verse number 20, from the invisible things of him, from the creation of the world, are clearly seen. You can tell by looking at the world, there's somebody in charge of all of this. But listen to verse 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful. What did Jerusalem do? God gave them an opportunity to know him through his son, and yet they ran him out of town because that when they knew God, there's the opportunity. They glorified him not as God. There's the rejection. Watch the result of this. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. You see, here's what happens. Every time you run Christ away, every time you shoo the Holy Spirit away, when he deals with your heart and he's trying to lead you to salvation or as a Christian, he leads you to service and you keep shooing him away, that's the opportunity. But you keep rejecting him slowly but surely as verse number 42 says, these things will be hid from you. 
These things will grow dim. Your foolish heart will slowly be darkened. Why? Because you passed up on the opportunity that God had provided. I couldn't help but think this morning about when Noah was building the ark and oh, what opportunity God created at that place. Oh, God made a way. God made a way. And begin to think about how the Bible says in Genesis chapter 6 that when God closed the door and it began to rain, how the people on the outside of the ark must have reacted. You know, the, that was the only dry spot on the planet after the water began to rise. You know there were people beating on the outside of that ark. You know there were people with their children holding on to their children and husbands and wives uh, clutched together in embrace, trying to keep their heads above water. But here was the problem. They had passed on the opportunity one too many times. And the opportunity had passed. As verse 42 and verse 41 says, that's something to weep about. Number one, I believe Christ was weeping over things that could have been. But then look at verse 43. He goes on to say, for the days shall come. Notice that. The days shall come. That is a future tense. For the days shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee round and keep thee and on every side. Continues verse 44. And shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another. So notice he says shall come. Not only did Christ recognize the missed opportunities of all the times he passed that way. How many times did Christ go through Jerusalem in his life? And they missed out on all of those opportunities, but then he looked forward into the future. Number two, I believe he was weeping over the things that would be. He's weeping over the things that would be. You see, the first one deals with opportunity. The second weeping deals with outcomes. The first one, he's weeping because of the opportunity that they've missed. The second time, in verse 43, he's weeping because of the outcome that they're going to face because they rejected Christ. Can I tell you something? The rejection of God, the rejection of the Holy Spirit of God, when he deals with your heart, will never end well. Understand that. We tell God, no, God, look, I'm not telling you no, and here's how we get out of it because this is how I do it. I'm not telling you no, I'm just telling you not now. That's what I tell my wife with the garbage. Honey, can you take this out in just a minute? In just a minute sounds so much better than no. In just a minute, it won't get a frying pan thrown at you, you know? Uh, But no, we might have some contentious moments or what we call as intense fellowship for the next few minutes. We tell God, you know what? Sure, I will do that tomorrow. Tomorrow's the greatest time to do anything. Why? Because you're not having to do it today. But Christ is looking down the road and Just a few short decades from this time, Titus and the Roman Empire would march into Jerusalem. They would surround Jerusalem. They would besiege Jerusalem. And they would bring Jerusalem to its knees. Christ is weeping over the things that would be. Have you ever done any studying on exactly how a siege works? We read these words in the Bible about they're going to surround you and besiege you, but the way that a siege works is the conquering army surrounds your city. And the conquering army cuts off all supplies coming in and anybody wanting to get out. And they slowly let you sit there and suffocate under the lack of the necessities that you're going to need to stay alive. Went down to the Alamo several years ago and visited there and Look at Santa Anna's, uh, Santa Anna's um, siege of the Alamo, and we walk down the hallways, think about those brave people that 
Uh, they'd held out there at the Alamo. Uh, they cut off all water and they cut off food and they cut off reinforcements and you slowly die there. There's nowhere to dump the sewage water so you have to dump it right there and, and disease begins to break out and slowly one by one you begin just dying under the weight of your own needs. Christ could look ahead at Jerusalem. He knew what was coming because they had rejected him. Now, can I tell you this morning, there's something we ought to weep about. One thing we ought to weep about this morning is the opportunities that people are missing. We also ought to look forward to what will befall those who pass up the opportunities of knowing Christ. Christ looked forward and he says, it's going to get bad here really quick. This is why the Bible says in Proverbs 13, 15, the way of the transgressor is hard. That means those that say no to Christ, those that say no to God, transgression is when you turn from the law and you turn from God. The Bible says you've got a tough road ahead of you. And that ought to break our heart. Instead of driving down the road and seeing somebody drunk in the ditch and and talking about them, hey, we ought to be brokenhearted about them. Why? Because the way ahead of them is hard. Why? Because they don't know the Savior that we know. What a cry about that. That ought to break our heart a little bit. A family busts up, another home goes down the tubes. That ought to break our heart this morning. Why? Because the road ahead is going to be tough. You say, well, we're not Christ. How do we know what's ahead? Well, I'm glad you asked. Through the portal of Scripture. This is kind of like a window through time. Through the portal of Scripture, we can look ahead and see what lays ahead for those who say no to God, whether it be you or whether it be others. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 1, I'm going to read this for you. Revelation chapter 1, verse number 1. Listen close. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. Notice, which must shortly come to pass. God gave us this book called the book of the Revelation to help us to know what is coming down the road. And I'm going to tell you, I think every child of God ought to spend some time in the book of Revelation and just see how bad things are going to get here on this earth. It ought to stir you up enough to go try to make sure nobody has to go through this. Because even after the tribulation that's going to be here on this earth, there's eternity without Christ in hell. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 1 that I want you to know what's coming. Revelation chapter 3, listen to what the Bible says in verse 20. The Bible says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in unto him and will sup with him and he with me. Notice the Bible says, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, aren't you glad? Every door is going to get knocked. Every door of every heart of every human will get knocked by the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad? He's going to let you know. He's going to let you know you don't have to go through what I'm about to write about. You go on to read Revelation chapter 4. talks about heaven. Oh, my goodness. I cannot imagine. My feeble brain cannot comprehend what it's going to be like, but I know it's going to be good because whatever God does is good. Amen? And, boy, after Revelation chapter 4, it gets scary. You start reading about the tribulation period, all the things that will happen here in this life, in this world. As the Holy Spirit of God is taken up in the rapture of the church when his people are gone, it's going to get rough down here. Now look, folks, there's some people in this world that, uh, you know, we're not fishing buddies, but I don't want them to go through this. There's some people in this world that, that may not like me, and they may not be my favorite people either. You know, we have our favorites, right? There's some people that are not my favorites, but I don't want them to go through this. What's going to keep me, what's going to keep them from going? Somebody who's brokenhearted about it enough to go tell them about Christ. Christ was weeping over what was coming. The worst part is Revelation chapter 20. You ought to write this down and go home and read it. 
Revelation chapter 20, the Bible says in verse number 15, whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Can I tell you, that one verse right there ought to burden our hearts so much this morning that we try to go make sure nobody goes there. But the problem is we've lost our tears We're not doing as as Christ did. We're not brokenhearted about our city. Can I tell you? I believe Central Baptist Church could change the face of Hattiesburg if God would break our heart for them. If we just had some tears for our city like Christ had for his. The Bible says, The day shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee. He says it's going to get rough. I'll tell you this morning, no matter where you're at, repentance is far less painful than regret. Repentance is far less painful than regret. So what do you mean? Well, look, you say, well, I, look, I can't get right with God. I can't get saved. I enjoy my lifestyle. Well, listen to me. That repentance that you think is difficult now is so much easier than the eternal regret of not knowing Christ as your Savior. You notice the Bible says in verse number 44, the repercussions of that rejection. It says, and thy children within thee. How sad to see continual generations of those that rejected Christ. I'll tell you this before I give you the last thing. If we can't weep over our condition now, we will surely weep over it later. But then it's too late to do anything about it. The rich man, oh, he cried out to God. The rich man was worried about his brothers, but it's too late. It's too late. He had passed up on one too many opportunities, and now the regret will set in for all eternity. Christ not only wept over what they had missed out on, but he had wept over what would be. And look at the last part of verse 44, and I'll give you this, and we'll be done. The Bible says, the last part, because thou knewest, listen close, thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. Christ told them he was weeping because of the missed opportunities of the past. He was weeping because of the outcome they would face in their future. But then he uses the term, thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. Literally, listen close, the opportunity for Jerusalem was right in front of them. He was right there. This was not, we're waiting on Christ to come. He is right there, right now. Number three, I believe the reason that Christ wept because of the things that were at that present moment. Now, here's the background I want to give you this morning. As Christ comes down the Mount of Olives, they begin to lay the palm fronds in front of him for what is called Palm Sunday. He's preparing to ride in Jerusalem for the last time before he goes to the cross. The reason that Christ is weeping is because all the chances that Jerusalem had, he rode in and out of that city, no telling how many times, and yet he's about to ride in Jerusalem for the last time. He's about to pass their way for the last time. And he's weeping because this is their last shot. This is the only chance they will have. And the Bible says, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. Have you ever used the term, the time caught us? You ever used that that term, the time caught up with us? You get busy doing something and you don't realize the time. My wife and I were in Louisiana yesterday visiting with her family and my wife had an appointment and uh, we were just enjoying the visit with the family and she looked up at the time and I think I may have had a little bit of a part in, in us being late. I uh, apologize for that. But um, 
She says, oh, it's time to go. We're not going to make it. The time caught us, okay? We just kind of kept putting off leaving and putting off leaving, but the time was upon us now. Can I tell you this morning, I believe the reason Christ was weeping is because he was about to make his last trip to Jerusalem. The time was upon them, and he says, you didn't realize what time it was, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. Can I tell you, it's easy this morning to say, I'll do it later. But there would be no later. This would be it. This is why Ephesians 5 tells us to redeem the time. The Bible says, redeem the time because the days are evil. What does the word redeem mean? It means to gain possession of. You better get a hold of it before it's gone. Well, how many people told me when our daughter was born, enjoy every moment, you know, take a lot of pictures, make a lot of memories. So we've tried. I have 13,000 pictures on my phone. A lot of them are that kid right there. My wife's a scrapbooking maniac. That kid's life is going to be documented. It'll be like the, the, the library at Alexandria. You'll be able to pull out Miley's life and just read all about it through pictures. But man, as much as I've tried, I look up and now she's almost 13 years old. We ask that question, where is time gone? Where's time gone? Boy, I hate to say it, I've missed some opportunities. I've missed some opportunities to take her mini golfing. Missed some opportunities to take her soul winning. I've missed some opportunities to spend more time with her in the Word of God. How does that happen? Because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. You didn't realize it was right there. The time to grab time is when it's right in front of you. The time to take advantage of opportunities that God offers is when they're right in front of you. And Christ is weeping as he rides into Jerusalem for the last time. He's going to die in less than a week. The opportunity is going to be passed. They missed it. They passed up on all the times that he came into their town. They missed it. And he's weeping because the time is about passed. The opportunity is about gone. We were in California this summer, and uh, Brother Brent gave me something. I want to tell him myself, Brother Brent. The Brent gave me a, a gift certificate. The Great Awakening Coffee Shop. Any size free coffee or specialty drink. That is almost as good as gospel right there. When you put free and coffee in any size on one, that's good stuff. And so the conference we were at, and I kept having to go here, and I had this session, and wanted to talk with this preacher, and had all this going on. And I get back home, and I open my Bible, and there's this gift certificate that is there. So I'm thinking to myself, I'll just take it back next year. Get a free coffee next year. Well, then I read on the bottom, expires August 31st, 2019. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't redeem it. I had it. It was right there. I was at the place. All I had to do was take it and swap that out for a coffee of my choice. But I missed it. Can I tell you this morning... Missing out on a cup of coffee, that's sad. That's almost a crime. But missing out on one of God's opportunities when it's right there in front of you is an eternal tragedy. If you're here today and you're not saved, I can't make you get saved. I can't even convict you. I can just tell you what the Bible says. But the Holy Spirit of God will come and he's going to knock. Every person's door gets knocked. Every heart gets drawn. He says he would draw all men. So understand this morning, you're going to have the opportunity to say, I'm going to take it now, 
or gamble that there's going to be another opportunity later. For Jerusalem, this would be it. Isaiah 55, I'll read this and we're done. Turn there with me if you don't mind. Isaiah 55, I want you to see this for yourself. Isaiah 55 and verse number 6, look what it says. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Jesus, the Bible says in verse 41, and when he was come near, there it was. Last chance. He's about to ride through town. The opportunity that you've had and you've had and you've had and you've run him out of town and run him out of town, the opportunity is about to pass one more time and Christ weeps because he knows they're going to reject him. That's something to weep about. Telling God no and passing up on Christ and missing the opportunity that's there, that's something to weep about. So why did Christ weep? Well, he wept because of what could have been. I wonder this morning, listen, lost or saved, I wonder if God's not weeping this morning because he looks down at his church and he sees us saying, no, not right now, not right now, I'll do that later. And he weeps because we're missing out on what could have been. He could have had peace with God. You could have had, as verse 42 says, notice the language, the things which belong unto thy peace. There's things that God says could be yours, but you can't pass up on the opportunity. And when we do, I believe God weeps. Then he weeps about what's coming. Listen to me this morning. He said, well, I'm saved and I can't go to hell. But look, you ought to be burdened about taking somebody with you. We need to have somebody up there on the other side when we get there, somebody that we've pointed to Christ. And you think about people that live across the street, people we work beside, people who sit beside us in church, and we've never asked them about their soul. Why don't we weep about knowing what's coming? Christ says this place is going to be destroyed. And he wept over that. And yet we go on about our business like nothing's wrong. And then Christ wept over things that were. The things that were was the opportunity right in front of him. Can I ask you this today? What opportunity is right in front of you today? I don't know what it is, but you do. What opportunity has Christ placed right in front of you? And you know what it is. It's right there. Just as Christ had drew near to Jerusalem, he's drawn near to you. The Bible says you better seek him while you can find him. You better close the distance while he's closed because he's not always going to be closed. In less than a week, the opportunity would be gone. I wonder this morning, is Christ passing your way for the last time? Take this very seriously, please. I wonder if Christ has passed your way and passed your way and come through your Jerusalem time after time after time, and you've run him off, and he's about to pass through your Jerusalem in just a moment for the last time. I'm going to, listen, I beg you this morning, do not run him off. You find your way down here. There's plenty of people that love to take the word of God and show you how you can know him. You can know him, but the longer you push him away, the Bible says your foolish heart becomes darkened. The light slowly dims. Maybe you're saved today, and you know that, and you've got that nailed down, and you know Christ. Maybe he's passed your way for an opportunity of service, and he wants to use you. He wants you to give this up. Maybe it's repentance, or maybe he wants you to pick up something in service to him, and yet this morning you keep swatting him away. Well, I'll do it later. There may not be a later. This will be the last time. 
And he looks down and he weeps because of what could have been. He looks down weeping knowing what's going to be. He looks down and weeps because of what was. That opportunity was right there. Our heads are bowed this morning. Our eyes are closed. Heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Let's stand to our feet. No one's looking around. As a pianist and song leader come this morning, I want to beg you that if Christ is passing your way today, for whatever